October 17, 1771, the premiere in Milan of the opera Asiano and Alba, composed by Mozart at age 15. The piece originally appeared on Mozart's Zanga. Welcome to The Revisionist. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And joining us for the first time, a uh, writer who's uh, great writing on film, can be seen at The Spool, and co-host of Kill by Kill, uh, one of the best, most enjoyable horror movie podcasts out there, Gina yep. Radcliffe, everyone. Hello. Thank you for having me. Of course. Film thank you for being and here. Uh, television. Yes. Uh, in fact, I think by the time this is released... Likely her review of The Haunting of Bly Manor mm. will be uh, will yes. be available on The Spool. So go ahead yes. and check that out. And Kill by Kill, uh, also a great podcast. Uh, I guessed it on it, I don't know, like four years ago? Episode 25, I believe. Yeah, we're like episode 900 now at some point. <laughs> it feels like it. Yeah. Now I they mean, have I real think Veronica guests. was like 300 of those in one. Now they have real guests like Patrick Willems and like Dan McCoy from Flophouse and the, one of, and the guys from We Hate Movies and stuff. So, <laughs> oh, but they've, thank you for being they've here. Moved up in the world. Uh, if you're a new listener to this podcast, uh, the first thing I have to say to you is boo, because it's our Halloween spooktacular, and you should be deeply frightened. I hope you weren't driving and drove into a ditch. At this terrifying introduction. Oddly somewhat relevant to the actual history at one point. Well, there you go. Um, I had to get everybody in the mood. I had to let, you know, trigger warning, (laughs) ghosts, ghouls, goblins, all of the above may appear in this episode. So be warned. uh, This is not a typical episode of The Revisionists, which is a comedy history podcast in which we discuss a person or event from history. Uh, One of us gives the true account of that person or event. Another another gives the alternate batshit bananas as crazy as you want alternate version. It could be a retelling of Twilight or Beowulf. It could be about George Washington (laughs) being (laughs) two two. (laughs) children in a long coat, which is something that is canonically true in this podcast. (laughs) Whatever you want. And at the end, we vote on what is the true history of this luminescent, azul, brilliant blue, spinning, spooky, scary marble of a, of a world that we live on going forward. <laughs> and that's the premise of the show. Um, this week, I believe we are discussing a uh, famous urban legend, New Jersey legend, Spring-Heeled Jack. Wait, did you say New Jersey legend? Is it is it Spring Hill Jack a New Jersey thing? I thought it was a that, Jersey thing. No, no, that's the Jersey Devil. Oh, where's Spring Hill Jack? He's he's London. He's, in, he's London. Yeah. Okay. I think you're thinking of Bon Jovi, actually. <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm thinking of Bruce Springsteen. Spring. It's the spring. The spring is right. Bruce Springsteen. Spring Hill. Yeah. It's yeah. So. Perfect. The scariest, uh, the scariest uh, Heartland rocker. Yeah, no. <laughs> Bruce Springsteen. For years, conservatives have misused Spring Heel yeah. Jack, not understanding <laughs> right, exactly. the, the real meaning. They play it at their rallies, not understanding it's, you know, sort of a satirical takedown. Uh, regardless, um, yeah, we're talking about Spring Heel Jack. Uh, this week, I believe Brian is going to provide us with the actual history. 
of yes, Mr. Indeed. Jack. And Gina will be giving us the alternate. All right. Uh, well, before I get started, two things. Uh, one, uh, my sources for this were Atlas Obscura, uh, historicuk.com. Don't know how reliable that one was. Um, and the podcast lore and Wikipedia, of course. Um, this one had been kind of on my topic shortlist for years. Um, and in that time, I kind of forgot that a lot, uh, and this is just a content warning, um, a lot of the attacks, basically, were physical attacks on women. Um, none of the details are explicit, um, but still just a heads up about that. Um, so uh, The fun thing about Halloween is... Like, the topics we talk about are, like, already kind of not true. <laughs> like, spring Jack, there are some incidences that occurred, but for by and large... It, it spins weird, out of control at some point. Yeah. Like, he's either a demon or a D-list Batman villain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and, like, it's... A, I, it might be useful to give some context of how superstitious, I guess, the Victorians were. Um, like this was this was the the group of people among whom like spiritualism first became really popular, um, and you have sort of the the birth of like seances as a as a social event. You have like the Fox Sisters doing their hoax, um, and so you you have things like that. That's sort of the background, uh, and even earlier than the Spring Heel Jack incidents in like 1803 there was a a sort of similar uh public hysteria over a series of uh sightings and attacks in the hammersmith area uh of west london uh some reports like described what would be called the hammersmith ghost uh it was like a tall figure all in white uh other people nice. described it as some dude wearing calfskin with horns and two large glass eyes this just sounds like the original heavy metal band, like the Hammerskin <laughs> Ghost. Hammersmith Ghost? Hammersmith Ghost? Ghost. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Not, the not original. Quite. Yeah. But yeah, some dude with like, like googly eyes. Like before they were Spinal Tap, they were called the Hammersmith Ghost for like a hot minute. <laughs> um, but yeah, there were um, a couple prominent attacks. Two people were said to have died of fright. After encountering the Hammersmith ghost, I don't know if they ever actually testified to that themselves. Uh, this was also a one time of them in was history. Queen, Queen Amidala, I believe, was one of the two. <laughs> no, she died because she lost the will to live. Oh, right. My mistake. Of course. Because Spring Heel Jack uh, went and got his legs chopped off. <laughs> he just says, best friend, let him just, you know, fry like a pork sausage. <laughs> What's that planet? Uh, it, I should not get into. <laughs> More Star Wars bullshit. Yeah, I do. I, I I have a level of Star Wars uh, nerdery, and it's exactly the point where I know the music is called jizz and no deeper. <laughs> <laughs> I very much remember you explaining to me things that happened in the extended universe that I didn't understand because you used the abbreviation EU, and I had no. I thought you meant Bulgaria. Oh, if it's something crazy like Chewbacca got run over and yeah, killed, it was like I'll, I'm down for that. That's my shit. 
But knowing the name of the lava planet, I don't I don't okay. want to I just like the idea of Chewbacca getting run over by like a beetle. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh this was also a time in history when newspapers can and regularly did just make shit up out of whole cloth. Sure. Um like actual newspapers like the Times of London. Mm. Um a night watchman saw the Hammersmith ghost on December 29th, uh, but said it threw off its shroud and escaped. Uh, several groups of citizens formed armed patrols, which is another thing you'll see coming up with Spring Hill Jack. Um, and then in January of 1804, Francis Smith, one of these um, one of these citizens citizens on patrol, um, enc- encountered a figure dressed all in white and shot at it. Uh, I have to say real quick, because last time we covered, uh, and we didn't uh, mention this before, the Highgate Vampire. Uh, Brian, did we get the results of that one in? I don't think we do have them yet. No, not yet. Right. But uh, that was also one where uh, a bunch of civilians and, co- and you know, common people stormed like a cemetery looking for the, the Highgate Vampire. Um, and you know what? On Halloween, I could do with a good old fashioned like... <laughs> Get me a pitchfork, get me a torch, looking for a ghost. No one, we're not going to find anything. I don't want to burn anything. I just want to be part of a mob looking for a ghost. For like just, walk, just, walking up, just walking at the side of a mountain going, bah, 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 <laughs> yelling unintelligibly. Yeah, exactly. I feel like that's yeah. how a lot of mobs that do end up like trying to attack a ghost start, though. Just yeah, a bunch I of people are like, like whatever. <laughs> I want to, like, uh, be part of a mob yelling, like, we're going to get Frankenstein or the modern Prometheus. <laughs> <laughs> Which, whichever, it's fine. Yeah. It doesn't matter. <laughs> For once, I want to be part of a mob that's not, like, angry about deeply tragic injustice. <laughs> yeah, that that makes much more sense. A fun that. mob. Yeah, yeah a, a fun mob. Fun mob. Yeah. Uh 2021, uh, bring back the fun mobs. <laughs> That's oh the Biden God. Improv promise. everywhere is going to hear that and take you way too seriously. Yeah. Um, or, or our like QAnon listener base is going to be like, these anti-fat fucks. <laughs> Man, it, I don't, I sincerely hope that's not an accurate description of anyone who listens to this. Um, it is an accurate description of us, though, so. <laughs> um, I knew. Um, I mean, the anti-fat fox part. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, good. Um, anyway, uh, so the figure Francis Smith shot was not a ghost. Uh, it was Thomas Millwood, uh, who was a bricklayer wearing the traditional all-white clothes of his trade um and uh he was he was killed uh smith tried to plead self-defense uh was convicted of willful murder and sentenced to uh eventually one year of hard labor oh Um, well that's pretty lenient for willful murder yeah he was originally sentenced to death but the judge the jury like they wanted to convict him of manslaughter the judge was like no it's gotta be murder um and so I'm, well, I'm, I'm wrapping my head around this trial. Okay. It's, it's man, not important. I'm, this man was, was going up for manslaughter. It got upped to willful murder, the penalty for which was death. And then it got lowered to one year. 
Yeah, because it got um, the judge sent the sentence to the king after say after giving him the death sentence to be like, you may just want to like step this down a notch because the judge did like basically what he was required to do. It seemed like okay, all right. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, the button on that story is that the publicity <laughs> caused the real Hammersmith ghost culprit to come forward, uh, who was just an elderly shoemaker who was trying to scare his apprentice as revenge for telling his children ghost stories. This is a literal Scooby-Doo plot. I was going to say it's a literal, like, arrested development lesson sort of thing. Um, anyway, um, that brings us to about 30 years later and the start of the Spring-Heeled Jack um, frenzy. Uh, the first incident was October of 1837, where Mary Stevens was walking to her job in Lavender Hill. She was a she was a servant, um, and according to her, a uh, a figure leapt out of an alley uh, at her uh, after she crossed Clayfham Common, which is a very large park. Um, and there's not really a lot of description of the leap, but this the whole thing with Spring Hill Jack is that like he's he's got like jumping powers. Or something. Uh, there's more specifics later on, but um, that's sort of the thing. The other, um, the other uh, thing of the attack that connects it with the other Spring Hill Jack incidents was that um, he clawed at her clothing, which with what were described as claws, like metallic uh, homemade claws, almost sort of Freddy Krueger razor knife things, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he fled the area, uh, onlookers searched but couldn't find him. Uh, and then the next day, there was what would become the other trademark Spring Hill Jack attack, um, uh, which is... TM. TM, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Filing that one away for later. Um, where the f- uh, Spring Hill Jack, uh, who hadn't, been, hadn't acquired that name yet jumped in the path of a moving carriage, causing the driver to lose control and crash, um, sustaining severe injuries. Um, And, like, several witnesses said that the figure escaped by leaping over a nine-foot wall, uh, laughing a high-pitched, cackling, crypt-keeper-y laugh. Amazing. I love it. Yeah. (laughs) That's the shit I'm here for. Yeah, exactly. Um, and like sightings seem to continue for a few months after this, um, but they're relatively low profile. We, we know they continue though, because at a public meeting, uh, the Lord Mayor of London, Sir John Cowan, uh, read from a letter he had received, um, which read, and this gets into some, this gets into some weird shit, but (laughs) it appears that some individual- actually turns out to be like his- Draco Harry fanfic. <laughs> oh God. Uh JK Rowling is trash. Yeah, um yeah. requisite, requisite warning. <laughs> Read um, the fanfics instead of the books. It doesn't give her any money. And you're gonna learn some interesting new sex moves. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um <laughs> oh no! I, I, I'm excited to try this. I read about it in a fanfic. It, it is probably always, won't work, but you know, of course, the sign of a 
confident and capable sexual partner. Yeah, it's going to be awkward when you two are trying it, but like a month later, you're going to laugh about it. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus. Anyway, uh, (laughs) the letter read, it appears that some individuals of, as the writer believes, the highest ranks of life have laid a wager with a mischievous and foolhardy companion that he durst not take upon himself the task of visiting many of the villages near London in three different disguises, a ghost, a bear, and a devil. Uh, and moreover, that he will not enter a gentleman's gardens for the purpose of alarming the inmates of the house. The wager has, however, been accepted, and the unmanly villain has succeeded in depriving seven ladies of their senses, uh, two of whom are not likely to recover, uh, and but to become burdens to their families. So, Victorians. And today, honestly. Um, I, I just like the, I like the very polite idea of they lost their senses. Yeah, which I don't know what that exactly equates to. I, I think it's to say a, a, you know, a polite way of saying they went nuts after seeing them. Yeah, yeah. Which is... But it kind of also sounds like they might have like, lost their sense of smell. Or yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, they can't taste the whatever, the gruel that you ate I was going to say, I can't taste the English food of the 1830s. Yeah. He was so ugly, they were immediately struck blind. <laughs> it was probably a ruse to be like, <laughs> they don't have to, like, comment on other people's cooking anymore. <laughs> like, their shit 1800s cooking. They could be like, oh, I can't taste it. So Springheel Jack, I, I, I can't. I gotta. Yeah. I gotta jet. Um, Does this dress look good on me? Colorblind. Springheel Jack. <laughs> Springheel. Can't, can't comment. <laughs> Boing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It seems like uh, it seems like the Lord Mayor was skeptical, um, but at the meeting, apparently, a bunch of people in the audience spoke up, claiming that yeah, they heard stories about about the Spring Hill Jack guy, uh, and the papers, including the London Times, uh, ran with the story and coined the the name Spring Hill Jack. Uh, a few days later, the Lord Mayor showed another gathering gathering a um a pile of letters all about Spring Hill Jack. <laughs> Um, very miracle on 34th street. Um, one letter said several young women in Hammersmith were frightened into, again, dangerous fits. Um, and some were quote, severely wounded by a sort of claws, the miscreant wore on his hands. Um, and there were sightings reported all over sort of the London suburbs, but particularly the South and East. Um, the mayor, the mayor of London was, to his credit, uh, skeptical, quote, that the ghost performs the feats of a devil upon the earth. So, um, but also a trusted friend of his told him that, like, a servant had been startled by someone wearing a bear's skin. So he's like, I don't know what to do. I just love, (laughs) I love this guy's position. He's like, all right, I accept it's a ghost, but you're telling me it performs the feats of the devil upon the earth? I don't buy it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> it's a very Susan Collins position. Um, the mayor instructed the police to uh, to search for Spring Hill Jack. And it was sort of after this hubbub that the two most famous uh, Spring Hill Jack incidents occur. Um, the first, uh, on February 19th, 1838, 
uh, Jane Alsop was reading in her family's house when someone called from the from outside the front door and claimed they were a police officer. Uh, he said, "We've caught Springheel Jack here in the lane and told Alsop to bring her a light to bring him a light." Excuse me. Um, Alsop steps out of the front door to bring him a candle, and that's when he threw off his cloak and shot blue and white flames from his mouth. Um, according to Alsop, he also wore a large helmet and like a tight fitting oil skin jacket, um, which I guess is like, I looked it up and it seems like a weird raincoat. <laughs> That's the only way I can describe it. Yeah. It's, I love this aesthetic. It's like giving me Phantom of the Paradise vibes or something like that. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'm picturing you judging Springheel Jack on Project Runway. <laughs> yeah. Um, he, I mean, he is one of the more stylish uh, urban legends. We can all agree. Sure, sure. Um, the photo I am already planning to post with this episode is... Yeah, he, he's a good-looking <laughs> figment of people's imagination. <laughs> um, the popular imagination. Um, he... Attacked uh, Alsop with metal claws, um, and either, depending on who you who you listen to, either one of her sisters or her father heard the attack and came out to rescue her, pulling Alsop inside the house um, before uh, the attack could get worse. Um, and nine days later... Uh, 18-year-old Lucy Scales and her sister were walking home from visiting their brother, who was a butcher who lived in uh, what was described as a respectable part of Limehouse. Um, <laughs> no idea what that translates to. Um, it, but it it's, also... It's, it's, it's a part of town that has the least amount of human feces running through the street. <laughs> That's not to me. There's no human feces. Just a smaller amount than other Almost people. none. Yeah. Just asterisk a respectable part. Yeah, when you when you get to Limehouse, there's the sign that says "now with twenty percent less human feces." <laughs> um, that is another like through line running through a lot of these attacks. Even though a lot of the um, a lot of the victims of the attacks were um, like working class servant women, the attacks occurred in highfalutin areas which is probably why they also got more attention. Um, and also sort of the whatever rumors initially at attached themselves to the attacks probably also got put on to other people's genuine accounts of like actual attacks. So there's a lot of things that are being conflated in here probably. Um, but um, so Lucy Scales and her sister, they're passing Green Dragon Alley. And they saw the a fuck. Do they live in the Shire? <laughs> yeah, no, they see fucking Sharky and his gang and they're fucking shit up. Yeah, I'm trying to remember everything about the scouring of the Shire. Yeah. Um, you pass through Green Dragon Alley to get to Limehouse, where you get your <laughs> limes for second breakfast. <laughs> uh, I should not bring up Tom Bombadil on the internet. Um, the, um, the figure in, they saw a figure in the alley who, as soon as they got close, spurted blue flame in Lucy Scale's face, which uh, left her unable to see and left her in shock. Um, 
But the attacker sort of walked away quickly after that, didn't say anything, didn't do anything else. Uh, and uh, Lucy's sister and her brother, uh, who they were still by his house, were able to get her back home safely. Uh, the sister had described the attacker as being tall, thin, and gentlemanly, uh, wearing a large cloak and it was carrying a gentlemanly a... fire crime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just a, a real upstanding fire demon thing. Pardon me, madame. Do you need your eyebrows today? <laughs> <laughs> um, he was also carrying a um, what's called a bullseye lantern, which is similar to the kind used by police at the time. Um, and that's when the public frenzy really started kicking into gear. Even um, the Duke of Wellington... Uh, who was, by this point in his 70s, volunteered to patrol the streets at night. So he put on, like, his combat boots from, I think, Waterloo, um, got on his fucking horse and rode about the fucking streets, being, (laughs) like, probably not actually doing much other than, like, calming people down who are like, oh, this septuagenarian war hero is on the hunt for this fire demon. Cool. That makes me feel better. <laughs> um, so, <clears throat> excuse me. A man, uh, a man by the name of Thomas Millibank, um, after the Alsip attack, uh, claimed in a tavern that he was Springheeled Jack, um, and he was arrested. And he had been wearing um, like white overalls and a great coat, which were recovered from outside the Alsop house. Um, and so he was arrested and put on trial. But I swear to God, he got acquitted uh, because he testified that he couldn't breathe fire and they just let him go. <laughs> okay. <I> mean, <laughs> sound logic, my friends. I mean, could he jump a nine? He could jump a nine foot wall. But oh, he no, could yeah, not he- breathe fire. <laughs> he was the inventor of parkour. Yeah, he could, he could do that. Um, if he does not breathe fire, the prosecution is a liar. That's famously. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Sir John Cochran. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> um, sp- <laughs> um, Springheel Jack became like a a pulp figure, basically. Um, stories were being written about him, not just in newspapers, but he became a popular character in, like, puppet shows and Penny Dreadfuls um, and things like that. But as sort of his, like, folk fame is increasing, uh, reported sightings were starting to decrease and become more spread out, um, Starts seeing some up in the Northwest, even as far away as Liverpool. Um, And they eventually sort of die down until um, the 1870s. So like 30 some odd years later. Um, There's like another spate of sightings around London um, and areas north. Uh, But the last notable sighting was at Aldershot Barracks in Northampton. Uh, there was a sentry just on guard duty uh, who saw a figure approaching from the darkness uh, who 
didn't respond to the sentry's calls to stop approaching from the darkness. Um, and the figure got up next to the sentry, slapped him several times in the face, and then bounded away. Um, like the other guard shot at it with no apparent effect. Um, and that's yeah. like the turns out Spring Hill Jack was just like Rowan Atkinson. Wouldn't that be a fire breathing Rowan Atkinson? I would love to see that so much. Um, so speculation as to what was really going on or who was the person behind Spring Hill Jack, um, it ranges from again a sort of mass hysteria with conflated details um, to the theory outlined by the mayor that it was a prank being pulled by a group of rich assholes. Um, Notably, the most popular suspect uh, here is um, the Marquess of Waterford, Henry Beresford, who is an Irish noble. Uh, He was a sort of notorious rogue. Um, and he had a, a reputation that he would do anything for a bet. Um, like he had the nickname, the Mad Marquis. He, he and his crew were actually the inspiration for the phrase paint the town red. Um, because they were coming back to, I can't remember if it was London or Waterford, but they were coming back from drinking and they were stopped at a checkpoint at the town and they got mad that they were stopped and they stole a bucket of red paint from the guardhouse and started painting soldiers all around town and, like, painting the signs of doors of buildings. Painting? Um, what do you mean painting Painting soldiers on walls or, like, finding no, soldiers and No, finding soldiers and them, splashing them with red paint, basically. Like some Alice in Wonderland shit. Yeah, like, like that thing from the fourth season of The Wire. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> sorry. Um, and so, yeah... That's where painting the town red comes from, <laughs> a bunch of rich assholes who were drunk. Um, and uh, the Marquess was in London uh, during the first round of Spring Hill Jack Attacks, uh, TM, and he was known, <laughs> I don't know where this comes from, but apparently he was known to have a habit of jumping out and scaring travelers just for fun. So sure, why not? Well, you know, it's the 1830s, I guess. They didn't have a lot, they didn't have a lot going on. That's true. You what, had to make what, your what, own what, fun. What else are you going to do? You're going to push that big hoop around with a stick? Yeah. <laughs> There's no Animal Crossing. You can't do that yet. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, but She's there's gonna make some casually racist political cartoons, and that's about the end of uh, end of end of the line for entertainment. Yeah. Uh, um. Ben Garrison, the last living Victorian. Yeah. Um, so, but there's no real evidence for his guilt sort of beyond that. Um, and as time goes on, Spring Hill Jack became a cultural figure and eventually morphed into almost like a Robin Hood type figure in like pulp, um, in the pulp fictions or whatever. Oh, um, was he taking senses from the rich and giving them to the poor? <laughs> you would have to... I don't know. Which is... There were, like, apparently, like, a lot of the original stories where, like, he was featured in this way were destroyed in the Blitz. So... And they didn't have any copies. 
Um, which cool. I also like he did attack people with claws. Like I don't know that that's like. I mean, Robin Hood attacks people with arrows. That's true. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, that is fair. Um, and but like he became such a cultural uh, touchstone that Victorian parents would tell their misbehaving children that if they didn't uh, behave themselves, Springheel Jack would jump up on their windowsill and peer at them while they slept. Um, because the Victorians were fucked up. Terror, terror. We have a long legacy of terrorizing our children in order to get them to behave. Yeah, I feel like it's gotten better over time. You know, you just have like, 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 you know, Elf on the Shelf. You know, back a hundred fifty yeah. years ago, you had, you had this known serial killer would peek in your window and watch you sleep. We've we've moved more towards the carrot of Santa Claus and away from the stick of Krampus a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, perfect. But that's the actual history of Springheel Jack. All right. Thank you, Brian. Uh, I believe uh, that leaves us with uh, Gina to give an alternate version of the story of Spring-Heeled Jack. Well, uh, my story is not as lurid, but but is definitely more tragic. So, Spring-Heeled Jack. Uh, in Scotland, he's known as Jumpy Bob. <laughs> and, and, in, and in Germany, Gumi Hans. Um, <laughs> tragically, despite what you may have heard, he could not jump very high. He that is actually, tragic. Yeah, he couldn't jump at all because he was born without ankles. Oh, that is, that is oh, actually wow, tragic. Okay. Yeah, his legs were normal size and, and they they could function, but from the shins down, they just kind of went straight into his feet, like without bending, like a like a, you know, like a Barbie doll's legs. Uh, oh no, they're, they're kind of like that. So I, I mean, you know, we should be surprised. Uh, '90s movies have told us that white men can't jump. Indeed, indeed. Um, so something happened when his pregnant mother was on holiday in Australia and she was kicked by a kangaroo. <laughs> yeah, the um, bruise will get you. Yeah, you, they're, they're, they'll, they'll fuck you up. They're pretty angry. Huh. Um, he was the son of a housewife and a manufacturer of small hats. And he had, <laughs> he had the misfortune of growing up in a town called Clawsworth on Blumpton on Prunshire in somewhere <laughs> in northern England. Um, which was not only known for being the source of those tiny corns you find in Chinese food, oh. it was also it also was the high jumping capital of the world for many years. Mm, okay, um, townspeople were rumored to be able to jump as high as twenty feet, and for generations, when there was an Olympic high jumping team, they all came from Clawsworth. But you know, eventually, the Olympic committee said, "You know, you really should have you know just teamers come from the same country and not from the same town. It's really not fair." I, I, I do also just picture, like, the sign coming into town that says, jumps as high as our corn is small. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. I actually um, hope that they had, like, say, a 12-foot wall, and it's like, if you can jump this wall, you're welcome in Clawsworth. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, because he, because uh, uh, he, Jack was born without ankles, he couldn't jump so much as an, as an inch. And this is a shame, because he couldn't go any further than the end of his driveway, because... The entire town was set up as a uh, an obstacle course to train for high jump. Uh, mm. So everywhere you go, there were barrels, there were hurdles, jump ropes laying around. So he uh, ended up having to be homeschooled. Um, and he was left with, because his parents couldn't read or write, he was left with the choice of either learning the fine art of miniature hat making 
Mm. Or you just go to work in a tiny corn factory. They would take anybody. <laughs> a lot of miniature things I mean, in this yeah, town. This is... Yeah. Yeah. Um, they jump so high and they make such small things. I don't know if that's a, that's not really like an ironic thing. <laughs> that said, I know that I would go for the miniature hats because you can put those on animals and that's a win in my opinion. Exactly. Exactly. So he, um, he tried a, uh, to invent a series of gadgets that would help him become a high jumper. Uh, first he made a, a set of prosthetic ankles out of tin cans and tiny corn cobs, but they, <laughs> so, but they only, he was only able to walk backwards with those, which would have been great if they still had an Olympic backwards walking team, but they kind of disbanded that like not long before he was born. Mm. He also designed a, uh, a very early prototype of a hoverboard out of a pie plate, which un- unfortunately also required the burning of cow manure for fuel. Mm. Yeah. But this guy... Between the backwards walking and the hoverboard, he predicted Michael Jackson and Back to the Future 2. <laughs> the 1980s were all spring heel Jack inventions. He, he was really a kind of an idiot savant when you think about it. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, uh, once his nine brothers all left for the Olympics, uh, he had to keep the father, his father's miniature hat shop clean because no one else was around to do it. Hmm. Um, but one day while he was sweeping, he came, the idea came to him. So he he, he thought of combining a broomstick with a spring retreat from an old couch and used to jump around. Now, rather than at a part where his feet could go, uh, initially he just sort of wrapped his legs around it before jumping, which mm. resulted in a horrifying accident involving his testicles. Oh no. That was reportedly <laughs> so horrifying that the town reverend was reported saying, surely God cannot exist if you were allowed <laughs> something like that to happen. <laughs> I've never seen balls like this. <laughs> Several witnesses were deprived of their senses. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. See, there are some similarities to these stories. Everything ties together. There are threads, yeah. It's like it's like Magnolia. Everything ties together. <laughs> so after a long and hilarious recovery, Jack went back to work on what he was sure would be the answer to his high jumping dilemma. Eventually, he had occurred to him to put footrests on it, as well as a handle and a bell to alert other jumpers that he was coming. Um, he made his debut with it at the town's annual Tiny Corn Festival, which is something they 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 hold they still hold today. Oh wow! And he Did the winner up, was the winner the person with the tiniest corn? It's the tiniest corn. It's the best recipe made with corn. There's a mm-hmm. fashion show. Okay, it's a whole there thing. A, yeah. a, a tiny corn maze. Of course it's a tiny corn maze. I mean, obviously. Sorry, sorry. That, that's not even something you need to ask. My God in heaven. <laughs> so he he, man- he managed to, to jump the whole two miles from his house to the square, which was a new record, and he called his invention the Marvelous Magical Leaping Contraption. Mm-hmm. Now, as you Mr. Probably- Megorium's mom. <laughs> this is becoming very Dr. Seuss very fast. <laughs> Now, as you probably guessed, he was immediately recruited for the Olympic high jumping team, representing the pride of Clawsworth, but then he was just immediately cut for it. Because I mean, when you think about it, that's kind of really being on steroids. Yeah. When you when you go for the jumping team and you're like on something that helps you jump. Yeah. They usually don't allow like Iron Man suits in the Olympics. <laughs> yeah, they don't they don't they don't let like you know runners have like you know you know rocket shoes. Yeah, it's, it's not just like a car. It's not like Batman can show up with his grappling hook. <laughs> You're like, oh shit, he nailed the long jump. <laughs> There's nothing in the rule book that says you can't use a grappling hook. 
But that didn't stop anyone from being interested in the marvelous magical leaping contraption. Um, people came over from the British Isles to, to Clawsworth to, to see the contraption and could take the ride on it. On it, they could take a ride on it. They were willing to purchase one of his father's miniature hats. And eventually, he made enough money. He was able to help his father buy a store that made regular size hats. Which wow. would, you know, which oh, was, so it was like the size of the store that was the limitation. Well, we don't. The history is unclear on that. It may have been a, he may have only made very tiny hats, or he must have tried to make regular size hats in a tiny store. Since this was uh, hat making in the 1800s, did they also manage to upgrade from mini mercury to regular sized mercury? Oh, only the best. Only the oh, best. Oh, great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> have a little snifter of it after after work for a little a little come down. So, so it's tied into the uh, the London connection. Jack decided to to take the contraption on tour, where he was met with great success. He's even given an audience of Queen Victoria, and it was rumored that taking a spin on the contraption was the first time she smiled since Prince Albert died. Oh, and that's not nice. a dirty that's not a dirty joke. That's not that's not a euphemism. She literally just, I, it she, did not even occur to me that it was until you said it. She so. was just literally hopping around Buckingham Palace in this magical contraption that's having the time of her life. <laughs> So, of course, eventually he made his way to the United States, where he's invited to show the marvelous magical leaping contraption at the World's Fair. And it was such a smashing success that he was offered a chance to patent it for mass production. Unfortunately, though, he was an ambitious man. He was also not a smart man. And what he saw was a contract to manufacture the contraptions after the back of a menu. Mm. So the prototype was stolen from him and eventually patented as the pogo stick, which would go on to make millions of dollars, none of which would go to Jack. He would sadly go on to sign many more phony contracts and have the patents for, have the patents for the yo-yo, the windshield wiper, and the Wisconsin cheese hat stolen from him. Mm. He, he died penniless and insane. Although people who live in, in this town today say that if you listen closely, you can almost hear the sound of a spring squeaking in the distance. Wow. Oh. I told you, it has a little tragic that, Yeah, that, got, that did get a lot, of, a lot more tragic. <laughs> yeah, it's like if uh, the Hudsucker proxy had a sad ending. Oh, <laughs> I, I won't lie. There was some there's some aspects I lifted for this, lift for that. I won't lie. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. Uh, Gina, thank you. Sure. <laughs> that was fun. I, I hope it didn't sound too scripted. I was trying to. No, 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 no. no it was good. I was reciting. Uh, so, listeners, uh, as always, you can find us on Facebook, on Instagram, on uh, Patreon. Just look for the Revisionist Podcast in any of those forms. You should be able to track us down and uh, and uh, subscribe to to any of our various social medias. Uh, Twitter also, I should mention, where we occasionally have joke of the day kind of this day in history things uh, that are for days that we don't put out the podcast. Um yes. Yeah, if you feel like kicking us a couple bucks over at Patreon, uh, it's much appreciated. But also, I know this is a difficult time for being alive. So <laughs> don't feel pressured. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, if you uh, do have a couple bucks kicking around, I would almost definitely encourage you to inspe- instead spend it on, say, COVID uh, aid, Black Lives Matter uh, charities, or uh, say, the election. <laughs> Uh, defeating the terrible uh, person that uh, we happen to have in office right now. All of those are probably better causes than our dumb podcast. Uh, but if you have a lot of money, if you're a, an eccentric millionaire, give some of us to us as well, I guess. Yeah, um, you hit, us, hit us up with that. We're, we're fourth on the priority list, I guess. Yeah. Um, 
As always, uh, for me, you can also hear me over at the Movie Trap with previous guests Russell Carson and Chris Boroff uh, uh, to get a little bit more uh, of my stuff. Uh, Gina, as we mentioned, uh, do you uh, have anything you want to say about Kill by Kill or your work for The Spool? Uh, I am the co-host of the Kill by Kill podcast in which we talk about horror movies, focusing on the characters and the odd little details. Uh, right now, we're about to start getting into the Scream series. Ooh, nice. And then we also have a, nice. uh, a side project in which we are uh, re-watching Hannibal uh, episode by episode. We're about, we're about halfway through the first season. Uh, and I am also a writer at The Spool. Uh, as you mentioned at the beginning of the of the episode, uh, probably my most recent uh, write-up when this goes up is um, The Haunting of Bly Manor, which is very, very, very good. And I am also currently recapping Lovecraft Country on HBO. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm excited uh, for that. Uh, Scream is the first unedited R-rated movie I ever saw. I think it was the summer between second and third grade, and it scared the shit out of me. And it's a personal favorite of mine, so I'm excited to hear what you guys have to say about that. It's, um, it's a good one. Yeah. It's a good one. And they also have uh, episodes about every single Friday the 13th and Nightmare on Elm Street yep. and a few other movies. So, you know, uh, plenty of stuff to dig into. Uh, Brian, do you yeah, have anything the, to plug? Um, You know, I'll, again, I'll mention the election is coming up. Please vote. Please. Um, also, please wear a mask uh, if you go outside. Um, yeah. There's no when like... We're, when we're recording this... Uh, the president is sick with COVID. It's not coming out for a week and a half. Uh, who knows what has happened in the intervening time. But every every time I think, okay, this is probably the craziest news news cycle pre-release that we've ever had. And it just keeps, it, yeah. it keeps getting. Getting wilder. Like, yeah. Um, but also, um, yeah, there's. There's some live comedy happening right now. I'm not partaking in it because high risk. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> vote, wear a mask. Uh, please take care of each other. That's all I got. Yep. I concur. Uh, uh, well, in that case, I guess the all that's left is that it falls to me for, for judgment. Um, you know... This is an interesting one. I always like the ones that are kind of based on urban legends because even the true story isn't fully true, as I've I mentioned at the top of the at the top of the episode. Um, but uh, you know, it, it's a it's a spooky Halloween tale that got turned into this. Uh, ultimately, Gina's version was this kind of tale of an underdog. Uh, who scrapped his way to to potential riches and fell back down uh, to die? <laughs> yeah, uh, to die uh, penniless and uh, and uh, you know tricked out of his rightful fortune. And what can I say? But I love it when someone's tricked out of their rightful fortune. Uh, I am going to go ahead and give it to the alternate. I, I, I love the, I like this Dr. Seuss uh, inventor who made all Yay! these children's toys. I yep. like his tragic story. Uh, yeah. I, uh, his testicle accident, all of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy. Yay. Yay. Um, 
Well, listeners, uh, when you hear this, voting will be open on Patreon, and be sure to check out our Instagram story next Wednesday uh, for the final round of voting. Uh, but yeah, Gina, thank you so much. That was so thank much fun. Thank you. Thank you. I had a great time. Of course, Zach, thank you as always. Uh, of course. For everyone here at The Revisionist, I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Scary Powers. <laughs> yeah, wait, I did brain flaying. There we go. Okay, yeah, brain flaying. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> have, a, have a good time. Happy Halloween. October 17th, 1662. Charles II of England sells Dunkirk to France for 40,000 pounds, which is nuts because I only paid like 1050 for a matinee of that. October 17th, 1781. General Cornwallis surrenders at Yorktown, something I was much happier about four years ago. And, uh, last one. October 17th, 1781. Uh, October 17th, 1814. Eight people die in the London beer flood. Well, five in the flood and three in the pork scratchings landslide that followed. Uh, all right, I got a few. I got I got four this time, which is a little more than normal, I think. Okay. <clears throat> October 17th, 1771. Premier. Oh, hold on. <clears throat> October, seven, uh, October 17th, 1814. Eight people died in the London beer flood. Eyewitness accounts report that the victims who drowned in a hearty IPA were rolling their eyes at the ones who drowned in Bud Light. October 17th, 1888. Thomas Edison files a patent for the optical phonograph. Uh, October 17th, 1888. Thomas Edison files a patent for the optical phonograph, which he used to create the first movie, meaning 1888 had at least one more new release than 2020. (laughs) October 17th, 1907. Marconi begins the first commercial transatlantic wireless service, bringing him one step closer to his dream of a world where every unremarkable white dude has a shitty podcast. (laughs) Perfect. Uh, That's my bread and butter.